to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. If you aren't following us on social media, make sure to head to Facebook and Instagram and search for My Collective Church to learn more about what is going on at Collective as we start this new year. Thank you again for listening. Now let's get into Sunday's message. a little disappointed that it's not Drake, right? Uh, Drake put out this song in 2018 called In My Feelings. It was the number one song for 10 weeks. Uh, It's a good song, but if you know anything about it, you know the real reason why it blew up was because of the viral social media trend called the In My Feelings Challenge. And in this video, people would actually get out of their car and they would like dance to the song, sometimes while the car was still moving. Um, Actually, let's just show you what this looks like. Hey. I, I think we're gonna watch that again. Can we watch that again? Hey. Okay, so. Some of you laughed the second time, you are my people. (laughs) Um, So this actually happened, it's it's not fake, Uh, it wasn't like edited or anything like that. Somehow the guy walked away, there's a whole video on it, he has like a few scrapes and like a a lump on his shoulder. Uh, And I'm not trying to over-spiritualize a guy getting hit by a car while dancing in the street to a Drake song, but don't our negative feelings feel a lot like that car? Right? Stick with me on this. Think about it. You're just going about your day. You're just trying to work. You're trying to be a parent. You're trying to dance for a social media video when you get that text. You read that news. You have that thought, and wham. Right? Anger hits. Worry hits. Sadness hits. The great philosopher Sven of Arendelle once said, you, <laughs> you feel what you feel, and those feelings are real. But he kind of forgot to add this. If you are emotionally unhealthy, those feelings can derail your day, your week, or your month. And that can have a negative impact on your job and your friends and your family and your social life and your faith. So in order for us to get to a place where our emotions don't feel like a gray sedan to the face, we have to strive and work to be emotionally healthy. And that's the goal of this series, to learn from Jesus how to deal with our very real feelings in healthy ways. And today we're going to talk about the feeling of worry. Philippians 4, 6 says this, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Now, really quickly, the Greek word that's used there for worry is merimnao. But if you're reading a different translation of the Bible, instead of saying worry, it'll say anxious. And so it kind of depends on what translation, but they both mean the same thing. So it just says, don't worry or don't be anxious, right? So don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. 
And so Paul, who wrote this, did so from a Roman prison, and he knows a thing or two about worry. Right? He's living in this constant state of not knowing if or when he will ever be released. He doesn't know if he's going to get another meal. He doesn't know if the people that he cares about back home, the churches that he served in, he doesn't know if those people are also getting arrested and beaten like he was. And so he writes, don't worry about anything. Now, anything is kind of a generic term. So let me drop some words in there that might connect a little bit more. So how about this? Don't worry about the future. Don't worry about things that are out of your control. Don't worry about what those people might think of you. Don't worry about what you're going to have for lunch today. Right? Because Paul tells us that this worry that we have destroys the peace of God, a peace that guards our hearts and our minds, a peace that exceeds anything we can understand. And so my guess is that you want that type of peace in your life. Right? I do. I want that peace. And Paul says that our worry is getting in the way. And so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at worry and the negative impact that it has on us. And we're going to learn how to better cope and manage that feeling as we work our way to peace. And so let's break down worry a little bit. Proverbs 12:25 says, worry weighs a person down. Right? Worry has this emotional weight. It has a spiritual weight. It even has a physical weight. When doing research for this message, I learned that the word worry comes from the German word vergen, which means to strangle. And so for those of you who feel worry or anxiety on a regular basis, this is probably what it feels like, right? Worry strangles your peace. Worry strangles your joy. It strangles your comfort, your thoughts, your emotions, your vulnerability, your growth. And worry is an incredibly complicated emotion. Worry can be both from nature and nurture, meaning some of you actually struggle with anxiety because you are genetically predisposed to it, right? You were born and it is something that you received, passed on through generations. For others, it's actually a learned emotion that comes from both the good and bad experiences in our life. When healthy, worry can be a good thing because it actually triggers our fight or flight response when we're in danger. When unhealthy, it can be a bad thing because it actually triggers our fight or flight response when we're not in danger. Like I said, it's very complicated. And worry can be physiological, meaning you feel it. It can be emotional. It can be situation, situational, and it can even be spiritual. And so as we talk about worry today, please know that we're talking about one piece of this puzzle. Because the truth is, some of you might need to talk to a counselor because your anxiety is out of control and you're watching it prove detrimental to your life. And truth is, some of you might need to take medication just to help with your worry and anxiety. Some of you might need to change your diet or cut out certain foods or maybe change your sleeping habits or change your job or change who you spend time with. Because the truth is, all of those things will help. And so while there is this holistic approach that we really need to take, I'm only gonna be speaking from the spiritual perspective today into this very real emotion that so many of us are living with. And worry also comes with a lot of baggage when it's talked about in the church. Every time I teach on this topic, which we'll talk about this once or twice a year at length, I know there are people here, typically Christians, who have spent years wrestling with this emotion and wondering, if I feel anxious, did I fail God? Right? Am I letting God down? Am I not living by faith? Is it a sin to be anxious? And Paul says this in Romans 8. 
He says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And he actually gives a list. He says, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. And so I just wanna say very, very clearly, worry is not a sin, right? It's just, it's just not. And because you struggle with worry or anxiety doesn't mean God loves you any less. But it's kind of like what we talked about last week when it comes to anger. Anger in and of itself is not sin, but unchecked, it can and will lead to sin. And the same is true for worry, right? If we are emotionally unhealthy, that worry can lead to sin. But feeling anxiety in a moment doesn't mean you've let God down. In October of 2021, a study was published that looked at the prevalence of anxiety in 204 countries during the pandemic, and they found that anxiety disorders had gone up 25% since early, since early 2020. And this is actually significantly higher for women compared to men. Anxiety increased 28% for women and 22% for men. And just being completely honest, I think the 22% is a lie. I think men aren't being honest about their anxiety. I think that number is actually higher. Maybe the most interesting thing that the study found is that both before and during COVID, anxiety was progressively higher for each age group, meaning millennials have more anxiety than Gen X, and Gen X has more anxiety than baby boomers and so on. But the most alarming thing that they found when it comes to anxiety is that anxiety disorders and the percentage of people who have them, it's never gone down. Since 1990, when they started studying anxiety, it's just progressively getting worse. And so the prevalence of this emotion has either stayed the same or gone up. And now one out of every five people struggle every single day with worry or anxiety. And no surprise, people have struggled with this since the beginning, since Adam and Eve. This is not a unique emotion to us. Right? And so the world has changed, but anxiety hasn't. And Jesus saw this. And so in the most famous sermon he ever preached, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus explains how to handle worry. Right? And just to be clear, he's not saying that it's always going to go away. This isn't like you take this message and it fixes it forever. You will always struggle with this. And it just has to be in a healthy way, right? in a good way. And Jesus explains, These are, this is what worry does. And he starts by talking about the negative impact it has on us. And so check this out. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? So here's the first thing. I want you to write this down, take a picture of it, hold on to this. Worry devalues who you are. Right? Jesus says you don't need to worry about the little things, about this everyday life stuff, because if God provides for the birds, of course he's going to provide for you because you are way more valuable to them or to him. One of the top causes of anxiety today is right in the palm of our hands, and we know this. It's social media. Studies have shown that higher amounts of screen time are associated with higher levels of anxiety. In fact, these studies have proven that over the course of four years, adolescents who use social media consistently will actually see levels of anxiety that grow. It corresponds with those things. But it gets heavier, though. Research has shown that people who use social media a lot will actually start to feel this like withdrawal anxiety when they're not online. 
And so what they do with that anxiety is they actually hop online to relieve it, only to end up with another form of anxiety produced by engaging on their social media platforms. The article I read called this a double anxiety whammy, uh, which sounds a lot more fun than it actually is. And do you know why social media causes so much anxiety? Because we tie so much of our value to likes and comments. And when we don't get them, we begin to feel inadequate about our life and our appearance and how people view us. And these questions start running through our mind. Why didn't anybody like this? Right? And that naturally leads to, why doesn't anybody like me? Did they say something wrong? Did I do something wrong? Or what we actually get is like this fear of missing out. We start to worry, like, why weren't we invited to that thing? We worry because we didn't know certain things were going on, or we worry about other, what other people will think about us because we're not staying up to date with the current trends or the current gossip or the current show. And we tie so much of our value to social media and anxiety follows. And so being emotionally healthy means tying our value to a God who loves us more than anything in the world, not to anything else. Jesus continues in verse 27, he says, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? So here's the second thing I wanna point out from Jesus' teaching. Worry doesn't add to your life. Theologian Charles Spurgeon once said, our anxiety doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but only empties today of its strength. And so worry is not a good and productive thing. A few weeks ago, our neighbor knocked on our door to let us know that one of the trees beyond our fence line was beginning to uproot. And it's a big enough tree that if it fell, it would definitely hit our shed and probably hit our house. Um, And it's actually something that Ray, my wife, and, and our daughter Elise have worried about. Anytime there's a storm, Elise will ask, is the tree going to fall? Which I think is a legit concern because she sleeps on that side of the house. That's where her window is. And so I emailed the HOA and they have a landscaping company they go through and they came out and they checked it out and they said, hey, this is not gonna fall anytime soon. Not reassuring at all. (laughs) But what if all we did was worry about it? Right, like live in fear during every storm, freak out at every strong gust of wind, think about it before we go to bed every night. What would that do? Nothing. Simply worrying doesn't accomplish anything. Towson University did a study and they came to the conclusion that worry is almost always useless. They said, worriers often justify their thoughts and behaviors as being prudent and protective in some way as if they're heading off danger as if worrying about something will prevent it from happening because they've thought through the worst-case scenario. But research indicates that 85% of what people worry about doesn't actually happen. And of the things that do happen, 79% are reasonably manageable. They also found that 97% of what we worry about is just a product of our mind. 97%. But even more than that, they learned that worry doesn't actually lead to action Worry leads to more worry. And so if you're going to worry about something, do something about it. But if you're just going to worry and sit in that place, all you're doing is wasting mental and emotional energy. And Jesus says, this adds no value. It adds no time. It doesn't add anything good to your life. He continues in verse 28. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was, not, uh, glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Solomon was the king of Israel for 40 years and uh, putting it lightly, dude was rich. Uh, in fact, he's one of the richest people to ever uh, exist in the history of the world. His net worth during that time, they believe was $2.2 trillion. 
Um, that's 12 zeros. He was loaded. Um, so Jesus is saying Solomon had all the money in the world, and yet the flowers look more beautiful than he ever could in all his splendor with all his riches. And then Jesus continues, if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. So again, God cares more for us than the wildflowers of the field who have more beauty than anything Solomon could buy. Jesus is doubling down on what he's saying earlier. Your value comes from God, and there's nothing that he cares about more than us. And he says this, why do you have so little faith So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So here's the third thing I want to point out. Worry impacts your faith. Jesus teaches us that worry and faith are at odds because you either trust that God will provide or you worry that he won't. Right? You either believe and trust that he loves you and cares for you, or you worry that you don't matter to him. He's saying, hey, you, you really can't do both. You can't really do both and be healthy, at least. This is why grace is so important in Christianity. While other religions focus on things like karma and getting what you deserve, Jesus was all about grace and us getting something better than what we deserve. Right? So for people who follow Jesus, we don't live in this constant state of worry when it comes to God and how he sees us and how he loves us. We live in a constant state of grace that says, even when I mess up, he loves me. Even when I fall short, he cares for me. And so worry devalues who you are, worry doesn't add to your life, and worry impacts your faith. But Jesus didn't just, and there, he doesn't just teach us the negative impact of worry. He actually tells us how we should manage it, how we should approach it, how to become emotionally healthy when it comes to this, and actually experience and feel that peace that he has for us. And so he continues in verse 33, and he says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And so in order for us to be emotionally healthy, especially in regard to worry and anxiety, we need to seek the kingdom of God above all else. And there are many ways that we can actually do that, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on the two that I think are the biggest, at least for me, the two that I've seen the past year make the biggest impact in people's lives. The first is that we need to seek out time with God. Every verse we read today about worry challenges us to trust God. Right, to give our worries to God. And there's actually a few more. Psalm 139, 23 says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. It's this idea of inviting God into your life. It's giving him permission to search your heart so he can know your anxieties. Right? And not just know them, because we read, he doesn't want to just know them, he wants to care for them. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, give all of your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. So one of the ways that we pursue peace and eliminate worry is to give those negative feelings to God. It's to seek out time with God. And one way we do that is through prayer. And I know that prayer can be intimidating, um, but prayer is, is simply just having a conversation with God. You don't have to say certain things in certain ways for it to work. You just have to talk. Talk to God before getting out of bed in the morning. Talk to God as you drive into work. Talk to God when you're about to step into a scenario where you feel anxious. 
or maybe just listen. Having a conversation isn't one way, so it doesn't always have to be you saying things to God. You can do what David did in Psalm 139 and invite God to search your heart for the things that trouble you and ask him to take them away. And talk to God about the things that you worry about so he can care for you. Another way we seek time with God is by reading our Bible. Earlier, when reading through what Jesus said about worry, he asked the question, aren't you far more valuable than the birds and the flowers? One of the ways that we know our value is through reading scripture. Because when you read the Bible, you will see just how much God cares for you. Right? That he calls you his beloved, that he calls you good, that he thinks of you as his prized possession, that he wants to be a part of your life. Last year, a study came out from the American Bible Society, and they found that reading scripture on a regular basis helped reduce anxiety, it reduced depression and anger, as well as it healed trauma. And so you set aside time every day to read the Bible. And there are a few really easy ways to do that. You can start by reading one of the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And I would always encourage, start with Mark. It's shorter, honestly. It's just, it's a little bit easier to read. Um, you can also start a Bible plan on the YouVersion app. I tell people, hey, you should search for Bible Project. They have a ton of Bible reading plans. They're great. They explain context. There's videos with it. It's what I do every day. Or you can head to openbible.info and, and do a word study. Uh, you search for a specific word. Maybe it's anxiety, and you type that in, and you can read one verse every day for the next few weeks and just see what God can do through that. Any of those options will lead you to seeking God's kingdom and experiencing the peace that he offers. Here's a second action step to take. Seek out community. I believe that one of the biggest reasons that people are battling with anxiety today is because they are lacking real community. In fact, I'm guessing that over the next few years, there'll be studies that come out that are focused on the season of quarantine that we experienced at the beginning of COVID and just how badly that messed us up because we're not meant to be alone. We're meant, we were designed to be in community, right? We know, we feel, and we experience that we are better when we are in this together. Gallup, uh, which is a non-Christian organization, did a study where people compared their mental health in 2020 to their mental health in 2021, and they found that people who attended church uh, every single week were the only group of people that said there was a rise in their mental health during the pandemic. The Gallup data also showed that individuals who placed a greater value on religion illustrated a higher mental well-being as opposed to people who don't. 81% of people who were polled who attend church weekly said their mental health was excellent or good, while people who only attend about once a month saw their mental health decline 12%. Because the truth is being here and being in community matters. Today is the one-year anniversary of us opening this building. After 52 weeks of worshiping, we can clap, yeah, we, <laughs> we made it. We spent 52 weeks of worshiping online and in living rooms. And so after 52 weeks, we got to worship together for the first time. And if you were here, I don't know if you remember that feeling. Um, life was still crazy, but I, but I remember, I was sitting in the front row and I was just weeping. And it wasn't because I was sad. It was because I felt this weight was lifting from me, a weight that I didn't even know I was bearing. Because being in community and being with you on, worshiping with you on, feeling that energy made me realize that I'm not alone. Right? Even though for 52 weeks it felt that way, right? 
It reminds us that we have people who will pick us up when we fall. It shows us that we don't have to be afraid because there is safety, right? So seek out community. And you do that by making this, being here, a priority. It's by checking the box and joining a small group or or joining the team. Listen, we encourage you to take those next steps every week. It's not for us. We don't have a quota. We don't don't have things that we're trying to measure up to. We do this so that people like you can have community. And so if you struggle with worry, you seek out God's kingdom. You make it a priority to spend time with God. You make it a priority to be in community. On Thursday, um, Jonathan Sharks, who's a writer for the sports and pop culture site, The Ringer, published a story called, Do You Know My Son? And he shared with his readers that last April, he was actually diagnosed with a 25 million to one odds cancer that is incurable. And the article goes on, and he talks about his childhood. He actually lost his father at a really young age. And it's about how this is making an impact on him mentally and emotionally as he raises his own son, who's a toddler. But about halfway through, it kind of pivots, and he starts to talk about his small group at church, which is kind of unreal, especially for a site like The Ringer. And Jonathan tells his readers that about seven years ago, he began pursuing faith, and he went to church for the first time. And while there, he was actually encouraged to join one of the small groups, and he did. And the first time he was there, he said that everyone sat in a circle in the living room, and they introduced themselves with an icebreaker. And he wrote, I was thinking, either I'm supposed to say I'm an alcoholic, or this is a cult. Full disclosure, your first week of group, it will feel that way. But when the night ended, he decided to go back again the next week. And I'm just going to read some of of what he wrote next. He wrote, that was seven years ago. Some of those strangers from the house that first night are now some of my closest friends. It didn't happen overnight. It took me a long time to feel comfortable. I usually came after the small group had already started and left as soon as it was over. But I was seeing the same people every week and I was telling them about my problems and they were telling me about theirs. Do that for long enough and you become friends. You get to know enough people that way and a small group grows from being an obligation to something you look forward to. And yes, making the commitment to come every week is hard. There's always things to do. Sometimes you're tired or you had a long day or you just don't feel like it. He said it gets even harder once you get married and have kids. But people talk a lot about medical insurance and life insurance when you get sick. Small group is a different kind of insurance. It's a relational insurance, and it is far more important. Johnson writes about his small group and and how they're supporting his wife and son and how much uh, they're being loved on uh, as a family as they go through the hardest season imaginable. And then he finishes with this, and this is what hit me the hardest this week while reading it. He says, one thing I've learned from this experience is that you can't worry about things you can't control. I can't control what will happen to me. I don't know how long I'll be there for my son. All I can do is make the most of the time I have left. That means investing in other people so they can be there for him. Notice what he's sharing with us about his own life experience. For what many of us would say is the worst case scenario, terminal cancer, toddler, you know, trying to live his life. And he says, you cannot worry about things you can't control. But he shows us that what we can do is we can seek out God, that we can seek out community, and because of that, we can have peace. And so listen, I know there are a million and one things to worry about right now, but don't let those fears and anxieties take you away from the peace that God has for you. 
Don't let that, those feelings take you away from how he sees you and how he cares for you and how he loves you. And don't let them take, them, take you away from your faith and your peace. Right? Seek out time with God. Seek out time in community. And give your worries to God and let his peace guard your heart and your mind because he loves you more than anything else in this world. Let's pray. God, I think it's safe to say that, um, that we all have struggled or are struggling with worries and anxieties. Um, God, the last few years have, have either elevated them or just brought them out in us. And, and we live in this constant state of unrest. And we live in this constant state um, where we're lacking peace. And God, that leads to uh, this feeling where we're being strangled. God, and it isolates us from our community and it isolates us from you. God, it hurts our growth and our ability to be vulnerable. And God, I think it's safe to say we don't, we don't want that. God, we don't want to feel that feeling. We don't want to go about our days with worry. And so God, uh, as we wrestle with this emotion and really try to work to, to balance it in a healthy way, God, um, God, I pray this week that the, the first thing that we do is trust you and give our worries and cares to you and just see what you can do with them. God, give us the courage and the strength to do that um, and watch you move in our lives so that we can experience that peace. God, we don't understand why um, you love us so much and we don't understand why you care about us so much. Um, but God, I pray that's a truth that we hold on to as we wrestle with this anxiety feeling that we have all the time. God, that we're able to step out of the way we're feeling or step back from the way we're feeling or, or honestly, God, that we're able to have community that reminds us that we're going to be okay because you love us. And so God, help us this week find that balance. Help us this week move toward healthy emotions and, and a healthy approach to worry and anxiety. But God, ultimately help us have that peace uh, that guards our heart and our minds um, so we can live a life that you, you've really designed for us. God, we thank you and love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.